Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. None of the individuals charged or in custody in New Zealand were on official police or security service radar. And um, uh, I've been exchanging emails with my good friend Scott Newark over the last couple of days. And uh, Scott, in, in an email to me, said, our most necessary, included in our most necessary investigations, is how to engage effectively and monitor potential attackers and to prevent uh, the attacks and better understand what the motivation is for such individuals to undertake vicious acts such as uh, uh, the mosque in New Zealand and Quebec City or the synagogue in uh, Pittsburgh uh, last year. So, Scott, we don't know who these people are because they're not on the police radar. But is there a way to identify or somehow get a – I don't know. You tell. Is there a way to identify and, and locate people, or do we have to wait for a tragedy to take place? Well, that, that's exactly the point, and I think that is one of the key uh, elements of what's going to be going on in New Zealand and, and frankly, uh, countries all around the world, including Canada, is that with the emergence of a new threat, that's what you have to do is you, first of all – uh, you know, determine the uh, whether or not there's other individuals that were involved in it. Then you go to, are there lessons learned that can be uh, taken and implemented to reduce the likelihood of harm, like they're talking in New Zealand about their gun laws. But also, and the biggest challenge, I think, is uh, recognizing that you have a, um, you know, a, a new kind of a threat and therefore analyzing how it is that people communicate with each other, uh, I'm thinking, for example, of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the guy that ran down the, uh, uh, the people on, uh, in the Toronto Street and the uh, incel movement afterwards that no one was aware of. Uh, it, these new kinds of threats mean that you need to analyze whether or not we are appropriately uh, you know, aware of a potential kind of a threat group and how they communicate and if there are things that we can do to identify them in advance. It's a it's a huge challenge. Uh, I should tell everybody, come, people know that who you are. You're on this program a lot, and we appreciate your time. Uh, he was Director of Operations of the Washington-based Investigative Project on Terrorism, Post-9-11 Security Policy Advisor to the Federal Government of Canada and the Government of Ontario, former Executive Officer of the Canadian Police Association, and the former Alberta, and a former Alberta Crown Attorney Prosecutor, Scott Newark. Uh, we're running into... Um, we're running into danger of becoming a society that is just mistrustful and uh, or fearful. Yeah. And that, you know, f- f- going from, I think, back to when I was growing up in the 1960s, uh, which was also a turbulent time, but it was turbulent differently. Uh, we're now, it, it's almost like fear is going to become, if not the overwhelming Emotion. It's going to be a concern that people have in areas that they didn't have before. Am I expressing myself properly? Um, 
Yeah, I think a couple of points about it, though, is that, uh, number one, um, the uh, what this uh, attack is based on and the nature of the ongoing threat, of course, is um, from his own uh, comments and uh, from the other people that, uh, that he uh, cited, uh, that this is something that is perceived as a response to um, a, a, an Islamist threat. In other words, one that is... Um, uh, literally rooted in the ideology of a of an extremist kind of a religion and we really haven't seen that in a very very long time and as we've talked about over the years part of the problem in that is that it creates because it's rooted in um, or it has a religious base it creates all sorts of difficulties in attempting to uh, monitor it and deal with it because you don't want to you know drive people into isolated circumstances uh, or, you know, feeling as though they're not part of the society, not integrated. Frankly, much of what has been the case in Europe, I think, and I think generally Canada's had a very good history of integration of different uh, cultures, including uh, uh, Islamic cultures. But um, the other thing that's a a big change since the times you're talking about back in the 60s is look at the way in which people now communicate with each other. Vastly, vastly different. And um, people are able to, in effect, you know, you, it's described as self-radicalizing as well, too, but also engage in communications and glorification. And this guy, I'm sure, is every bit as narcissistic as the other people that, uh, you know, he cited as uh, his uh, comrades, if you will, in this. And that's fed by that form of communication. And just to add an even sort of another challenge to it, as we... You know, we talked about a moment ago about how you try to monitor those threats as well, too. What you're ending up doing is extending the power of the state over things like, you know, privacy and freedom of speech and everything else, all of which is completely contrary to these supposed notions of, you know, the free state that these people are think that they're supposedly advocating, albeit in a white supremacist uh, uh, way. Yeah, so and it you is can an enormous challenge as to how you keep those balances correctly in place. But I think uh, go back to that same point. I think our greatest strength is the unity that we have uh, in our commitment to basic principles, irrespective of race, religion, or anything else. And so that's what we go, need to really go, support. Go back to the fundamentals of who we are. Yes. Go back to the fundamentals of the laws and the and the expectations that we developed for ourselves and for. For everyone in our society, so we have an open and uh, inclusive group of people who, who who basically get along. Because, because the of the irony mo- oh, no, let me just finish. Well, let me just finish the, the thought. Who will be celebrating this the most will be the Islamic uh, terrorists, because it will drive a wedge between Muslims in New Ze- potentially drive a wedge between Muslims in New Zealand and isolate them, and thus, so they believe, make them more susceptible to being recruited to their cause. And here's another aspect of it, Scott, complexity. because if you're, if, you're, um, if you're one of these people, um, you know, the lunatic fringe, the dangerous fringe, the hate, the hate fringe, you can find your common... Um, believers quite easily and communicate only with them. Um, much more easily than the, in the days when you and I were growing up, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what do we learn from New Zealand? What, what does the intelligence community learn? What is going to be beneficial from this in the sense that we may be able to step in and stop the next one? Well, I, I think it's uh, uh, really just a confirmation of what, at least in Canada, 
there is already a recognition of, which is that uh, uh, for the reasons we discussed in the last segment, uh, this is unfortunately a new security threat that has to be taken seriously. And because the nature of the threat is one we really haven't had to deal with, that means, you know, trying to figure out uh, motivations, um, how people get radicalized into this, what their communications uh, connections are, uh, international travel, what tools can we actually use, you know, uh, to attempt to... Uh, Scott, do, do, sorry to interrupt, but do, but do, uh, do uh, security agencies have the right legally to to do this kind of surveillance? And, and I'm thinking not only of Canada, but beyond Canada. Is there, do, and different countries would have different sets of rules for their security agencies. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's the case on, on all th- uh, security threats. Uh, okay. The different countries have different rules. There's also uh, operational cooperation in these areas. I think the, the largest challenge has not been that so far, um, although that is very much one of the things that is part of that lessons learned exercise. If you're looking at this and you go, well, you know, if we'd have been able to do this, we might have detected them, but the law doesn't do it. Okay, let's come up with a tweak to the law that would allow us to do it and so that we can make a justification for doing it. But I think the larger challenge has really been to recognize that this is not just something, you know, coming out of a movie, this kind of um, extremism and, uh, uh, you know, call it what you want, uh, white nationalism, uh, whatever it actually is, uh, is something needs to be identified, and uh, our age, intelligence and enforcement agencies need to be uh, tasked with it. We've had three cases in Canada, you know, in the last number of years, what you would call is this kind of uh, right-wing, murderous, uh, motivated uh, actions have occurred. And um, I think that that is something that is underway, and sadly, this New Zealand case just confirms that it's not... Uh, it's not only not going away, but it appears to be spreading. 49 human beings were murdered. 49 human beings were murdered. And, and I just, you know, I just can't get away from that. That 49 people lost their lives to... Uh, Wacko. A, a horrible human being. And I, I come back to, how do we... And I, I know I've already talked to you and mentioned this to you during our conversation. Excuse me, I'm, I'm less focused than I usually am. But, uh, again, it's how did we get to where we are from now, from where we were, maybe not so long ago? Well, I think part of it um, actually uh, is an unfortunate response to the ideologically, uh, religious ideologically motivated threat of uh, Islamism, Islamic extremism. Um, it's also, I think, a function of the uh, change in communications that exists in a society that, uh, unfortunately, has, uh, uh, you know, I think more and more self-centered, narcissistic individuals. You had, a, you had the synagogue in everything. Pittsburgh was attacked, right? Pardon me? The synagogue in Pittsburgh was attacked. Yeah. You've got yeah. the churches have been attacked. It seems like houses of worship have become targets of opportunity for extremists. Well, and they, they, are, they would be known as mass population venues. They're locations where you have a lot of people. I mean, that's the thing about this. This guy wasn't going out, you know, and attacking a, uh, an al-Qaeda headquarters. He was literally just going to a place where he knew there'd be a lot of Muslims because he wanted to kill Muslims. We have a long way to go, my friend. And I think we are just getting going on that path. But uh, you we know, have to. eyes open is the best way to proceed. Thanks for your time, always. Okay, Roy. Scott Newark. 
former prosecutor in Alberta and uh, former advisor on terrorism to the federal and Ontario governments. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 